Good morning, Team Freedom. If your teammates are not on, and based on the number of callers on the call right now, chances are they are not. You want to get them on quickly. This morning's call is going to be epic. It's going to be off the chain. My next two guest speakers are going to hit it out of the park. So you're going to want to get them on this call. I do realize that we are behind on posting recordings. I think we've got four conference calls that we need to post. So I'm going to do my best to get those lit up later today. I need to train my staff how to do that. They're not very good at that yet. But um, July 12th, we're about 40% done with the month already. Month is flying by super fast. You think this month is flying by fast? Wait till August gets to the convention. In the middle of it, uh, it's crazy. It's great. It's crazy. The like summer months, especially I think for people with kids in school and stuff, like summer months can fly by if you're not paying attention. Like I love the summer months because I tend to work later hours when the kids are not in school. I'm not in as big of a rush to get home. I run more evening appointments. I tend to work later. Monday we had the area-wide meeting down here in Southern California. I was at the area-wide meeting at 8 a.m. Finished my last appointment in the office a little bit after 7.30. After I got done with that appointment, went home, changed, went into the gym, and uh, was there until after 9.30. And uh, got home, showered, had a protein shake, and I was back in the gym Tuesday morning before 7 a.m. Uh, but, it, like, it's easier for me to run schedules like that in the summer months. It's also easier for me to work later because it stays light so much later. And so when it's still light out, I feel like it's, I shouldn't be going home yet. <laughs> and so that's always worked for me. It's always helped me. There are some people that are making really aggressive vertical moves right now, and uh, there's a lot, a lot of excitement. I had a great meeting about a little over a week ago with Christine Smith and her great team out there in uh, the Torrance area. Big things happening out of that team right now. I can tell you that. That's a fact. I know there's some big things happening in Colorado right now. I know we've got some people in Chino stepping up right now. I like some of the noise that I'm hearing coming out of uh, Little Rock right now, and other offices. I know uh, we've got a couple offices in Carson that are making a, a major, major move right now. So a lot of excitement going on in the hierarchy. Um, I've got two guest speakers this morning. Uh, as, as some of you know, not all of you know, but um, Mark Onstad and his hierarchy are on a co-leadership between myself and Rob Day. And so Mark gets the best of both worlds because – Obviously, he gets the best of our hierarchy, and what I have to offer in my leadership, he gets a leader that's unbelievably good-looking and charming and gracious and, quite frankly, one of the most humble guys that I know, uh, as well as talented and, and Oh, they're home, so maybe wisdom. Dogs, so. Okay, it's great that they're home. You might want to mute yourself so we don't all know that they're home. Thank you for muting yourself. And then he gets Rob Day and whatever Rob contributes. No, I'm just kidding. Rob's a $3 million a year plus earner. <laughs> you got to understand. Um, in any event, Mark and Q flew out to a big event that Rob Day and his hierarchy were hosting earlier this week. And it was, it was an epic event. Matter of fact, Mark told me that it's one of the best events that he's been to, like top one, top two, top three in the past 10-plus years 
based on what he got out of it, the amount of notes that he took, the quality of the content, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they had, you know, really nothing but half a million dollars, three-quarter million dollar, million dollar and up a year earners speaking for over an hour at a time each person. So the quality of the experience, the quality of the instruction, along with the depth of the content was outstanding, and that's unique. It's, you don't oftentimes get that in a big event. So it sounds like it was really, really well orchestrated, and I'm excited that Mark and Q made the commitment and the investment of the time to get out there. So for this morning's call, what I wanted to do, now this is not the same as being an event. Those of you that are thinking about missing the company convention and going, well, when they get back, they'll be training on the nuggets from the convention, and they'll be sharing their notes, so I don't need to go. Um, understand this. It's not the same. Q and Mark are going to do their best to relay as much of the quality content, as much great information as they possibly can. But it's not the same as you being there taking the notes. It's like uh, you can go to the Stanley Cup or the World Series or the NBA Finals or the Super Bowl, and that's one experience. You can watch it on TV. That's a different experience. You can listen to a recording or a radio broadcast of it. That's a different level experience. You can read about it the following day or a couple of days later in the newspaper or on a podcast or something of that nature. Nowhere near the same as being there and experiencing it, especially if you were an athlete in one of those sports. So since you're an athlete in the sport called WFG, and this is what you do for a, a living, and performance at the highest level and execution is what it's all about, you want to experience these things, not hear about other people's experiences there. Because quite frankly, what you get out of it, what somebody else get out of it, might be two, two totally different things. You take a look at Rachel and Q. Rachel and Q are one of the most successful power couples in the entire company. Not just the hierarchy, not just Colorado, the company, WFG, 40,000 agents. They both have worked unbelievably hard at developing the skills necessary to be successful. Every single area of our business, every single core competency, they've got superior skills like 10 out of a 10, literally from prospecting all the way to fast starting, making recommends and closing business, you name it. In addition to that, they couple that skill and that talent with hard work. We all know that... This is Quentin. It was just he was just getting to the good part. <laughs> Maybe he got hung up on. I don't know. All right. Sorry, guys. I dropped off for just a second there. Somebody was calling me, and I tried to ignore the call, and evidently I pressed the wrong button. Totally my fault. And I wound up them going, hello. And I'm like, I just hung up on them. I didn't even find out who it was. <laughs> and called back in as quickly as I can. My bad. That's totally on me. 
What I was saying, though, is we all know that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. What you've got with Q and Rachel is you've got talent, you've got a hard work uh, ethic that has developed the skills over time. They don't have a certain gene trait, a certain personality, or a certain upbringing that gave them these skills. They worked very, very, very hard at refining and developing their skills. And now that they're at the highest skill and the highest level of experience, they work the hardest. What happens to most people at around MD or SMD is they develop the skills and the knowledge to be super successful, and quite frankly, they don't work as hard as they did in the early stages. They, they try and get by on their talent. They try and get by on their skills. They try and get by on their product knowledge or their experience, and they don't work as hard. And as a result of them not working as hard, they sort of taper off and plateau, and we see that over and over and over. What's unique about Q and Rachel is they work as hard today as they were when they were broke, when they didn't have any money, when they didn't have any properties, when they didn't have any assets. They continue to be work as hard today as they did then, maybe even harder, because now they have the confidence knowing that if they work hard, they're going to get the results. And uh, they're very, very goal-driven. So you've got one of the sharpest couples. But here's the fact. If, you, if Q and Rachel go to the same event and you read their notes side by side after the event is over, they don't even have the same notes. And they're as close of a couple as you'll meet from a marriage standpoint, and they're as strong of a power couple as far as equally balanced as you'll meet. And yet you'll read their notes, and you're going to read totally different things that Rachel picks up than Q. So you relying on somebody else's experiences is nowhere near as good as you having the experience yourself. Adults are experiential learners. We learn through our own experiences and through doing. And so that having been said, I'm grateful that Mark and Hugh invested the time, and I'm grateful that they've got some ideas to share with us this morning, and I think it's, it's going to be of tremendous value to you. But I don't want you to think for a second that when it, the company's convention is coming up or our kickoff event, that you can just sort of skip, on, skip that and rely on a recording of it or somebody else's notes and get as much out of it as you would by attending it. So... Without any further ado, quarter million dollar income earner, one of the top recruiters, one of the top Crazy. builders, one of the top producers in our hierarchy, one of the top power couples in our entire company, dear friend, and a man who literally like wears his heart on his sleeve. Like you, like when you get to know him, you know how much he cares about you, cares about the team, cares about others, uh, cares about his family. He's a, a man with a huge, huge heart and a strong work ethic to back it up, and and he's a closer. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Quentin O'Connell. Quentin, take hey, it away. Wow. wow. Thanks, thanks, Christopher. Can you guys all hear me? I can hear you like money. Just don't try Great. and answer any other calls. I learned that lesson earlier. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, me and Mark did go out there. You know, I just uh, I went out there because Mark asked me to go with him kind of like, a, you know, just uh, support, I guess and uh, wanting to see the other side of the team. And, uh, man, what, a, what an eye-opener that was. And so, uh, like, like Mark uh, said, probably took the most notes I've ever taken in a long, long time. I'm not a note writer. I, I usually uh, uh, take pictures and let Rachel write her notes, and then I, um, from all the, the pictures uh, that I take of slides and stuff, and I uh, pull my stuff out of that. Um, not this time. I have a, a, a Surface Pro, and I I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. I was writing so much that I was afraid that I was going to kill the battery every day. 
and so I brought my plug and everything to, to make sure it worked. Normally, I don't worry about that. But, you know, um, as we talked about all that, the, the one thing that uh, really stood out to me in the whole thing was that um, they, were, they were talking about all that matters is, you know, the, the one thing that you've got to understand uh, is that you're great where you are right now, but all that matters is what you do next. And that was a big kick in the kick in the teeth, right? You know, me and Rachel are successful. We got a lot of things going on, but it, it, all that matters is what you do next. Then you can't you can't rely on the story from the past. You can't rely on all the stuff that you did in the past. You gotta you know pony up and get get going and go to the next step, the next level. You've got to get going because all that matters is what you do next, right? And uh, it, that was a big uh, wake-up call because sometimes, you know, as you get uh, more successful in this business, and we've seen it uh, time and time and time again, right, your pay determines what you do. Well, you know, I'm making a lot of money here. I had a good month last month, so this month I'm just going to take it easy, right? All that kind of stuff is just, is just, it, it's just it's not right, right? If you're really wanting to change your family, in your life, then you need to uh, go to the next step, the next level, right? And so we, you think back, uh, I think back at the time when me and Rachel first started and they talked about this. The, the reason we're here is because for a window of time, me and Rachel get, gave up everything. So what does that mean, everything? It sounds really bad. We gave up everything. Well, we didn't give up everything. We gave up um, our jet skis. So we gave up a hobby, right? We gave up... Um, the bowling league, uh, we gave up, you know, we don't have a bowling league, but I mean, we gave up all these little, you know, the softball. I did play softball. For, I was a, a big into softball. I gave up softball altogether, period, because there's got to be a moment of time, a period of time that you've got to give up that stuff so that you can make your family and you go to the next level. And so that's what we did. We started to give up that stuff. And so um, – it was just, it, it was just a, it's a wake-up call, and I see that. We, we changed our whole thing to the point where our family thought that we were strange. We were just strange because we quit, we quit living the life of a broke person, and they didn't understand that because we were going to make a change in our life, right? And so, but as we got started in the business, we didn't know, um, you know, we, we always thought that we weren't, gonna, we weren't good enough. We didn't deserve this. We didn't deserve all the stuff that we desired. And uh, as they were talking at this convention, uh, it's not that we weren't good enough. It's that we were not giving our best yet. We didn't know what our best was. Mark was drawing that out. Christopher was drawing the best out of us. And so as we started to do that, um, there, there has to be a commitment. And so today, I think with the people today uh, in, in the world today that come on board with us, uh, the millennials, the the X generation, even the older generation, as, as I am, they're they're just afraid. Uh, they they want they they they're just afraid to give up what they they their 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 pathetic lives because taking a chance it, it might it, you might you know be embarrassed right. And so as Eric said, here's a quote from Eric. You guys can quote this. Uh, we all want the glory, but we won't go through the story. We all want the glory, but we won't go through the story. We won't go through the stuff that it takes to get there. We won't do the things that we need to do. We won't give up the hobbies. We won't quit doing the Friday nights, whatever, right, going out with the boys. We won't give up all that stuff because 
we don't we don't want to uh, make a commitment to something that might not work out. And you know, I'm comfortable here, right? Uh, another quote from him, which I thought was fabulous. Uh, we're all trying to steal second base by keep, while keeping our our, our uh, foot on first base. We're all trying to steal second base while we're keeping our foot on uh, our foot on first base. We can't do that. You've got to make a commitment. You've got to go all in. You've got to go for it. And he just you know went off on going for it and and making a change in your life. And so um, so I'll give you some things that he talked about. Right. One of the things that we need to do as we start to to make this thing, for one thing, we've got to start to give up the hobbies. You guys know what your hobbies are. You've got to give up and commit to some stuff. It's okay to be out late at night, as Christopher says, this business. What else would you be doing? Watching TV, right? Hanging out at the house, right? So we've got to give it up for a period of time. Don't get me wrong. We can go back to those things. We can do all those fun things. Like me and Mark, we can stop for four or five days, and we can go to Washington, D.C., Right? We can do those kind of things. But I couldn't have done that if I was still at King Simpsons. I couldn't have gone with him. Right? So, number one, you've got to keep the, you got to, you got to know that the power of what we do, you've got to keep it simple. A very simple, very, very simple system. And I think that we do a really good job with that in our, in our uh, hierarchy. Right? Uh, because, why? Because people are very, very, very emotional. And you've got to keep this very low-key. You've got to just say, here's the basics. Do this. Keep it simple, right? Um, we've, got to, we've got to do that because people, people, as we communicate with them about this business, remember, it's not what you say. It's what people hear from you, right? And I know that that's one of the things that I struggle with is that sometimes people don't hear the concern that I have for them because I kind of raise my voice. I don't know if you guys can tell I'm raising my voice a little bit. Because I'm so concerned for them, they might take that as me yelling at them. I'm not yelling at them. I'm just excited for them, right? And so I want them to understand that I see the, the best in them if they would just let me do it, right? Uh, I want them to be coachable, right? So I want to be that guy. So another thing to take away is uh, be coachable um, from your leader, Right? Be coachable. Leave the rest, right? Take the coachable parts of the, your leaders, right, because we all as leaders have defaults. We all have problems. But take the good things from your leaders and leave the rest, honestly, right? And so um, as we talk about that, here's, here's what I, I see. Again, Eric and, and uh, Monty Holmes and them, I'm putting some stuff together from all of those guys. Um, one of the things that they said, uh, which I see very much, though, is never mistake the beginning for the end, because sometimes if you looked at your beginning, if you look at me and Rachel's beginning, Mark's beginning, everybody's beginnings, our beginnings suck, right? And sometimes we look at the beginning as this is what the what this this what it's going to look like at the end. That's not true, not true. And so you've got to t- uh, continually work on yourself to get to the next level for sure, right? The beginning is the beginning. Leave it alone as the beginning and continue to level up from that one spot. So when you're first starting, you know, you will, I suck at phone calls, right? I remember all those days of doing that, not doing that, right? Uh, so I had to start focusing on how to say the right things. I had to I get a better identity of myself, right, and, and put the – put the, the words in my mouth and the words in, in Rachel's and the affirmations in our world that we, that we truly, truly believe, we've got to believe that we deserve this. 
That was a big thing. Eric says that you've got to believe that you deserve this. You've got to know that you deserve this, right? And how do we do that? We've got to start writing affirmations. So here we go down those roads, right? We've got to start writing down affirmations. We've got to start writing, rewriting our goals. Eric said this is half of the year, right? Half of the year is the best half year, right? Second half, best half. Second half, best half. That's what we said. Because this is the halfway mark. Are you rewriting your goals for the next six months, right? So you've got to write out that plan. Right? You've got to reprogram your mind. You've got to be able to, you've got to be willing to read your plan uh, that takes probably two to five minutes per day and change your family's life forever. Change your family's name forever. So put it down on paper. Another thing that I see, and we all see, and they talked about it, and sometimes we do, I think there was a time period that me and Rachel, as he talked about, I, I reflect this on myself, uh, we got too comfortable too soon. <laughs> we got comfortable too soon. And I've seen people, and we see it all the time in our business, people hit the $100,000 ring, and then the next year they make thirty. <laughs> the next year they make fifty. Well, wait a minute. We, you know, well, what happened is they, they got comfortable. And so Eric talks about never be comfortable. And the reason you're not comfortable and the reason you, if you get comfortable is because your why wasn't big enough to push you past the 100000 the two fifty. And so you've got to, got to, got to push for more, right? You've always got to be reassessing your goals, right? You've got, to stay on, you've got to stay on the game, and you've got to stay hungry. And I think there for a time period, if I look back at myself, uh, that we, were, uh, we, we got comfortable. And so uh, we, we got to, me and Rachel, reassess, and you start to get hungry again. And so we got back in the hunt, right? You've you got to understand that we thought that we were putting our putting – our, business in the microwave, and the microwave is going to make it successful. It's just going to run on itself, right? And that's not true. That's not true, right? Success makes you take the stairs. So we got to take the stairs, and we realize that, that we can't just let this thing go on autopilot. And so you've got to roll. You've got to work it and go that way, right? You cannot be comfortable, right? Uh, another thing is we start to get up in this business, right, we also, uh, at the beginning, we start, to, we start to listen to the wrong people, right? So they talked very highly of you, you've got, you've got to guard your associations, right? So associations are everything. And so Eric Olson says, change your friends or change your friends. So you've got to change your friends, right? You've got to quit hanging out with those broke people that are not pushing you towards a better goal. You've got to start hanging out with the right kind of people. Associations are everything in our business, everything in our business, right? The other thing is, is once we start to get started in this business, as we do that, we have to also start to hang around the right people. As we hang around the right people, we also got to start to walk the talk. And as me and Rachel, as you guys know our story, if you don't, we, uh, started to, we were broke as a joke when we first started in this business. Uh, first three years, we got debt-free, and we start because I don't. I have a hard time talking to other people if I'm the broke joker and trying to tell other people how to get financially free. So my biggest thing here is I wanted to walk the talk. It took us three three years to walk the talk, right? And so today, you should check on your financial your your financials, right? You should check. You should look at a report card of your financials. What are you doing right now, right? If you're not doing the right thing, you need to teach yourself first, right? You need to become wealthy because when you become wealthy, your confidence level goes through the roof about this stuff, right? 
You not only need to make money, but now, guess what? You need to practice what you tell everybody else, and you've got to save money. Save money, right? Next thing you've got to do is as you're starting to get into the business, you've you got to know that the beginning is just the beginning, and you can't take it that, any other way. The beginning is the beginning. Then the next thing is you've got to walk the talk, and then the next thing you've got to do is you've got to learn to talk to other people. <laughs> you've got to understand how to handle other people's problems, right? You've got to, you know, you've got to understand that once you're in this business, you're in the people business, right? Uh, and then as you start to build that, you've got to push yourself, your personal self. You've got to get your numbers, your personal numbers up high, and you've got to get your base shop numbers up high, right? Uh, last month, me and Rachel, I mean, we're very focused right now. I want to make uh, from June until November, it's the Hawaii contest, and I want to have um, a 400,000 points in the next six months. Right now, we have $75,000 in the month of June. Uh, we've got 15 recruits, right? We're going for Hawaii, so we need 30 recruits for the next six months. So we're 75,000 points. Uh, we have uh, 15 recruits, and we just uh, – and last month, we did 38,000 uh, personal – our cash flow is 38,000. That's almost – I mean, really, literally, that's what I made personally as a produce manager at King Supers. I mean, that's, that's $20,000 away from what me and Rachel made together at King Supers. Is that sick or what, right? I mean, so you've got to be the do-it-first leader. You cannot lead from the back. You've got to lead from the front. You've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to do it first. Be the do-it-first leader for sure, right? Um, another thing you talked about, if you guys are, are – are, work in this business, the one thing that we need to do is we've got to get an assistant. Uh, our assistant, Danielle, is a lifesaver. I just, I, I, the more that she's here with us, the more I realize all the, the crap stuff I didn't want to do, and I, now I can just call her up or I text her or I tell her from the office, hey, do this, do that, and she does all that work that you guys are wasting all your time doing, and she's doing all that stuff, all the little stuff uh, that helps me uh, so I can move on and make more phone calls and, and prospect more people. So you've got to have a strong operation, get a strong operation. And then um, we've got to start too, which I think that we need to work on right now, which I think that with the, uh, the leadership that we're developing in Colorado Springs, that we're developing a hot environment, right? Hot environment, a uh, winning culture. You're starting to see a lot of people be more successful in our business. It's not just me and Rachel. You see Daniel, 100,000. Evan just won SMD, right? You see all this stuff happening, right? And so my last thing to you guys that I'll tell you is don't downgrade your dreams just to fit your reality. Upgrade your convictions to match your destiny. So I'll say that again. Don't, this is from uh, Bolson. Don't downgrade your dreams just to fit your reality. Upgrade your convictions to match your destiny. And you gotta, you gotta dream big. You gotta go home. You gotta, you gotta go big or go home. You gotta get, get with this business. This business is a million dollar business, and you're playing like you're playing for peanuts here. So get on it. Um, that's all I got, Christopher. I think that the, I get so fired up just thinking about what we did in the, the last four days at, the, at that convention. It was kind of crazy. It's a great, great, great nuggets, Q. I mean, outstanding stuff that you dropped on us. And, and I was reflecting as I was listening and taking notes on what you were talking about. I think what's really, really interesting is 
I think every single one of the ideas that you shared, and, I, and maybe minus one or two, but in my recollection and my notes, every single one of the ideas that you shared were really more about mindset than anything else. And I've been reflecting a lot lately and journaling a lot lately about the business and where people are at and how people get from one level to the next level and why some people succeed and why others don't. And there is a level of mental toughness that I think we've got senior associates and MDs and SMDs and EMDs and CEOs and EBCs. Like we've got people up and down the ranks. People talk about mental toughness, mental toughness, mental toughness. People read the book by Stephen Siebold on mental toughness. They, they read the book by um, uh, Tim Grover, right, on mental toughness, right? Uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's personal trainer, personal coach, Tim Grover. Like, we know the importance of, uh, of mental toughness, and people can talk about it and even talk about it eloquently. But I think really being mentally tough and changing your mindset where you're mentally tougher and tougher and tougher is a lot of work for people. And I think a lot of people are deluded into thinking they're mentally tougher than they are because they can talk about mental toughness. But so much of what you just spoke about comes down to mindset and it's a way of looking at things. And I think it's easy to look at, like as you share a bunch of those ideas, here's my concern for a bunch of people on the call. It's easy to hear those ideas and they totally make sense in a vacuum and I can understand them in a vacuum and it sounds, it's like Sometimes um, politics can be this way or other, um, or other things that we talk about, other subject matters, but politics is an example. Sometimes like a political idea or a political solution can sound great on paper. It's neat and clean and that'll solve everything, but in reality, it just doesn't work out that way. And I think in a vacuum like a lot of these ideas are like people agree with the ideas go, yeah, that makes sense. I got that. I'm on that. That's what, that's what I'm doing. But in the reality, when we're under pressure and we're under stress and we're trying to execute and the wind is at our face instead of at our back and we're climbing uphill, not running downhill, we can hear you young lady. Please mute yourself. All ladies mute yourself because we can hear one of you. When we're taking the stairs because the elevator is out, like all those times, it's, it's how mentally tough am I now? How am I executing now? How am I accepting and programming my mind to really think those thoughts now? I was sharing with somebody yesterday. I was doing a coaching session yesterday. I was sharing with somebody like yesterday was my cardio day with my trainer. And first of all, my, my trainer's cardio day is not what I would have as a – uh, cardio day. That's why I have a coach. That's why I have a mentor. That's why I have somebody that's holding me accountable because my cardio day would be like 30 or 45 minutes like in the gym on a, some sort of cardio piece of equipment, whether it's a treadmill, an elliptical, something. It would be 30 to 45 minutes and I'd break a sweat and I'd get my heart rate up, but his was different. Like my cardio day yesterday with my trainer was I came in and and there's about he's a he was a high school track star, a football star, and he's a high school track coach at Chino Hills High, which is a pretty big competitive program. And so 
he's got a pretty intensive warm-up of a series of warm-up exercises and stretches. And one of the things I like at my age is I stretch more than ever with him. But by the time I'm done with my uh, stretching and warm-up exercises, it's usually about 15 minutes in, and I've already broken a really good sweat. And so from that point, he has me run down to the stop sign and back, which is a good ways away from his gym. Then he has me come in and do five sprints. And then he sets up a circuit where I slam a medicine ball ten times, and then I do tri- individual dumbbell tricep extensions, ten reps each. Then I do uh, kettlebell squats, ten reps. Then I do box jumps for ten, re- uh, ten reps. Then I do that BOSU ball that's like half a ball where you lift it over your head and you do a burpee with the BOSU ball. Any of you that have done that know what I'm talking about. That is not fun. And then after that, um, there's like a platform deck that he has that you have, I don't know how, what you call them, but where you're standing on it, you jump down and you touch with one of your hands and you jump back up on it and back and forth. And by the time I got done with the first set, like my heart was pounding so fast, I, I thought it was going to explode out of my chest. I thought, okay, whatever surgery they did six years ago, I'm about to snap every freaking suture every freaking stitch that's holding my arteries together because my heart is pounding out of my freaking chest right now. And before I finish that first second, he's like, you need to finish five circuits. There's six, so there's six different stations. You need to finish five circuits of this in 25 minutes or you're doing a six. Well, at the time he's saying this, as I'm finishing my first, I don't know how I'm going to do a second. I'm like so winded and my heart's coming out of my chest so hard. But he's pushing me to do it. Now, here's what's happening. I just I want to make this point and then transition into Mark. As I'm going through each set of 10 and each one of these six stations, he's not hovering over me every second. So some of the more difficult ones, whether it's the box jumps or the BOSU burpees, like I could have easily done eight reps and he wouldn't have known that I didn't do 10. And especially, like, in my mind, my mind is like, what if you don't finish in 25 minutes? There's no way you're going to finish in 25 minutes. How in the world are you going to do six circuits? I don't think I can do five circuits. Like, those thoughts are creeping into my mind. The thoughts are creeping into my mind like, like, man, I'll just maybe I should just do eight reps and he'll never know the difference. I'm still getting a great workout. I'm still pushing myself. I'm still, like, doing more, like, there's all these little voices that are justifying and convincing me, just take a little bit off. Just take a shortcut. You're pushing it hard enough. Don't kill it, right? And that's where mental toughness comes in. And you've got to, like, I'm, I'm, I'm having to over, in the moment, under stress, when I'm being pushed to my max because I've got a coach pushing me because if I was doing cardio on my own, I wouldn't be choosing any of these exercises, nor would I be choosing to do it five times in a row. Nor would I, nor would I be trying to do it in under 25 minutes. I just, there's no way that I would be doing any of those things at my current level. But that's why I have a coach, and that's why even though I like him and we've got a good relationship, like for that period of time I'm training yesterday, I didn't like him at all like it, because there was this battle in my mind with this is unreasonable, this is too much, he expects too much. He, like, he's gone too far this time. There's that battle in my mind. And then I've got to, to get through it, I've got, my, I've got to control my inner voice and go, one more rep, one more station, one more circuit. Like, I've got to keep sort of drowning out the doubts, the fears, the anxiety, the stress. I've got to keep drowning out those voices with a voice that says, you can do one more, just finish this set, just finish the next station, 
just if I can get through these next two stations, the medicine ball is almost a break to catch your breath. The, the triceps are a break to catch your breath. Like I've got to keep creating these new stories in my mind during a period of peak stress to overcome. And here's what I know. A lot of what Q shared in a vacuum on paper, it's like, oh, yeah, all that sounds great. Uh, like, I believe all that stuff. He's right. But it's under times of complete duress and stress when you're really trying hard to execute and you're getting a ton of rejection and you're getting a ton of objections and people are pushing back or loved ones aren't supporting you. They're sort of undermining you. They're sort of planting seeds of doubt in your mind or somebody on your team or a number of people on your team aren't performing or showing up or communicating or executing the way that you want, and there's these voices of doubt, these voices of reason, these voices of justification or rationalization where you're like, well, I'm already working really hard, or I've already tried hard enough, or I've already done enough, and you're trying to take shortcuts and you're trying to justify or rationalize or shortcut the price of success. And it's in those moments that we need to have the mindset shift, that we need to speak up louder in a voice of affirmation, in a voice. That's why affirmations are so important, because when you practice affirmations enough times, not in stressful situations, when you practice them in the morning and throughout the day and in the evening, then when you are in stressful situations, it's easier to recall that voice. It's easier to recall those words of wisdom, that affirmation, when you need it the most. If you don't practice it, when there's no pressure, it's hard to recall when there is pressure. And so over time what begins to happen, those voices of doubt never go away. The most successful people I know still have doubts. They still have weak thoughts. And nobody oh, my God. Somebody's got like an 18-wheeler going by them or an airline taking off on a runway. That was obnoxious. Um, really practicing your affirmations. And the more that you're aware and conscious of that little voice in those times and you work hard to overcorrect it, over time you're that those those voices of doubt don't go away, but the voices of affirmation and of strength and of mental toughness become louder and more frequent and easier to access. And it makes it a little bit easier to drown out those voices of doubt and limiting belief. But it's a, the biggest battle, what, what Q was describing in every one of the notes and every one of the ideas he shared, the biggest battle is between the ears. And you've got to be in that battle and fighting that battle daily, constantly throughout the day when it comes to distractions or where I'm investing my time or what I'm focused on or making more calls or getting more names and number or working harder to get more appointments and more guests. Like there's a constant mental battle going on and social media and colleagues at work and friends and family, and there's all kinds of things pulling us away and we've got to be aware of what's going on inside of our mind and work harder and harder and harder at strengthening that voice. So I want you to be mindful of that as we listen to Mark. Mark is Mark's office has really raised its game to a new level. When you know, when Eric Olson, I know Eric Olson was at this event and one of the major speakers, but one of his go-to sayings is, "It's okay to be a copycat if you copy the right cat." And what I see in Mark's office more than the overwhelming majority of successful offices in WFG 
is a real a real sense of copying Mark's blueprint when it comes to spending money, when it comes to saving money, when it comes to being frugal, when it comes to work ethic, when it comes to the same scripts, the same presentations, the same objection handling techniques, when it comes to the same appointment process, you've got such a high degree of alignment in that office. You've got such, it doesn't mean that everybody does it, but you've got a high degree of alignment, especially amongst the leaders, especially amongst the most successful people. His, the most successful people in Mark's office are the most aligned. What tends to happen is guys get to MD or SMD, they make 75 or 100 or 125 grand, and they start getting too big for their own britches and not very aligned. Um, they start coming up with their own presentations, their own scripts, their own training. Their own, they, they, it's all, it's, the, the ego gets really involved prematurely, and that's what Q was talking about earlier. It's like sort of, you know, sort of counting your chickens a little bit early in the business. And in Mark's office, you see the opposite. People are more aligned, more congruent, the more success that they have. And the more they buy into the Mark Onstott model, if you will. And um, that's why, like, if, if you could invest money, if you could buy stock in the Mark Onstott company, man, I'd buy a freaking boatload of it because he's got such a strong foundation. And now at the highest levels of leadership, he's got a real buy-in and alignment to the systems, to the scripts, to the processes, to the mindset of here's the way we do business, here's our brand, who's who we are. And I'll tell you this, we had a, a real sort of raw, super raw heart-to-heart with Mark's leadership team and my suite uh, at the end of the Wealth Bowl, like Sunday morning. It was as raw of a leadership meeting as I've had in a long, long time. And to Mark's credit and to that leadership team's credit and all of the spouses of that leadership team, that leadership team has stepped up since we called the shot in my hotel room for six, seven months consecutively now. And there is a, there is a growth and a pushing of each other to a whole new level, I think, that's emerged in that office. And there's a whole new level of alignment, I think, that's emerged as well. And so something really, really magical going on out there, and it's in large part because of the leadership of Mark Onset. So, Mark, would you close out the call with us? Share with us anything that you shared that you want to double up on, double up on. Anything that you want to add to what he shared, please knock it out. I know you've got a lot of content for tomorrow's training, but please share with us all that you can today for those of us that won't be at the training. Absolutely, Christopher. Thanks so much. And you can hear me okay, right? Loud and clear, brother. It's all yours. Okay, great. All right. This is going to be short and sweet, everything that Q said. All right, guys, we'll see you on the call next week. (laughs) I'm joking. But really everything that Q said. You know, one of the things that Christopher said um, a minute ago uh, regarding the, the event and the convention is, is, is so true. Probably the best word picture that I can give to you would be, and Q knows where I'm going with this because I always use Q as the example, but uh, and when, when Christopher was saying, hey, those of you that are thinking, well, I won't go to the event. These guys will just share all their nuggets with me when I come back. It, I, that's not even close. I can't do justice to what we heard. I can share ideas, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's one thing to share an idea for a while, wow, that's something I want to implement. That's a mindset I want to get versus hearing it from the guy who's already had the mindset shift, right? There's, there's a difference. It's, 
it's like uh, it's 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 an it's an experience they're relaying versus an experience they've experienced, right, or something that they've experienced. So it really is different. So imagine everybody knows who Mariah Carey is, right? Great singer, pretty gal. She gets, I think, I've never seen her in concert, but she gets these little pink dresses, tight little you know pink dresses with high skirts and high heels with the long flowing hair, and she gets out there and she belts out her songs and. I'm sure it's unbelievable, you know, since the good concerts over the years. I've just never seen her. But imagine if you go, you know, hey, Q, I don't, you know, I, it's just kind of inconvenient to go to the Mariah Carey concert. Uh, it's expensive. I, you know, I've got to work that night. I, I just can't go. So what I'd like you to do is go to the Mariah Carey concert, experience it for me, write down the songs that she sings, and then when you come back tomorrow, if you could, now everybody knows Q, Get in a little pink dress, right? Get in a little pink dress, uh, you know, with your hairy chest. <laughs> I'm going to go to town. This. Put, your, put your, pink, uh, uh, your pink dress on your, your high heel pumps, and, and, and I want you to get a wig, a flowing wig, and I want you to belt out your best rendition of Mariah Carey because I'm not able to go. And I'm sure you can Mark. bring back the experience. Mark, if yes. you did that, I would pay ten times more for those tickets than the actual Mar- Mariah Carey. I know. Game, I promise you. <laughs> uh, other people have said that before too. I was like, I would pay to see that, right? I'd pay more to see that. But but it, I know uh, it's tongue in cheek. That's not right. Have- that's all I gotta say. That's not right. Give it time of admiration and love. More. We're not offering we you less. This- We're offering you more. <laughs> but we have fun with this metaphor. But it really is true. It really is true. Obviously, that would be it. Would be a great thing to see, but it would be kind of a might maybe a scary thing to see, right? There's a lot of things you could do. You could put that back on me too. But that's the point, right? There's nothing, you know. Q and I knew that that that, and I knew uh, as as Rob told me about this event coming up. You know, literally like 20 years in the business, never miss an event, associations, everything, all the things that I believe. Even when Rob told me months ago about this event, he's like, hey, I'd really like for you guys to consider getting out to this thing. Here's what we're going to do. And he sent me the link for the – they had a website up and the whole nine. And even me, I went, oh, it's July 4th weekend. Literally, Q and I left on the morning of July the 4th, right, Like where people go, oh, right, fireworks, family, barbecue. It's like – you know, and I was trying to get Dina to go. It's like, hey, the kids, we got there, Washington, D.C., spend some time, look at the stuff, look at the monuments and the museums, kind of make a family trip, and then go to the event. That didn't work out. And, and I got, God, so inconvenient. The, like the hotel, like for the four nights we were there, it was like $900, the tickets, the ticket for the event, the tickets, the food, just, you know, all this. Stuff. And even, even me, I was going, oh, you know, it's so, it's so inconvenient. But here was the thing. Here was the thing that I have been so hungry for lately, and that is what am I willing to change so that we can change not only for myself but for our team? What am I willing to do? Like if I'm not willing to do the inconvenient things, who's going to? Nobody's going to like, do things more, things more inconvenient than me. And that's the same with you guys. Your team is not going to do more inconvenient things than you are. You've got to show them what it looks like. And so, you know, and so, and it was top of mind for me. It kept coming back over my mind. And I'm like, man, God must be trying to tell me something. I need to go to this event. There's going to be things I'm going to take away. It is inconvenient as it was, as much as I didn't want to go, did not want to go, I did it anyway. Right? So champions aren't people who 
who, who, who love to be inconvenienced. Champions are people that do things in spite of the inconvenience. They do it anyway. Well, I don't feel like it. They do it anyway. It doesn't feel good. It's inconvenient. I don't have the money. Well, you do it anyway. And so I went anyway. And you know what? I, I had bought my, my tickets. I had booked a hotel. Didn't even know if he was going to go. I said, Cuba, I think I want you to go. I want you to go with me. I, I know he's glad that he went. But literally, I was ready to go all by myself. I was ready to go all by myself. I'm so glad Q went with me, but I was ready to go all by myself if Q didn't go. You know, and so, so that in and of itself is a, is a lesson. And, uh, and so, yeah, don't think you can skip these big events and, and hear things secondhand through people who have not been there before, meaning doing the things that, that the nuggets that will be shared. Uh, man, there was so much stuff. And, and with the few minutes that we have, I'm going to kind of try to pull out a few things I think uh, are, are, are really important things that you guys can take away. Uh, one of the things that uh, Eric Olson talked about starting off, and it's interesting, when, when Christopher said earlier that, that, hey, Rachel and Q could be sitting next to each other and know it's a little different. Literally, there were two different things that Q said. I'm like, I remember that. I can kind of remember that being said. One thing I can remember, it wasn't in my notes. The other thing I didn't remember at all, and it wasn't in my notes. So literally, he had different notes than me. It's really, really true. So one of the things that Eric Olson talked about, I went to an EMD breakfast. It was the very first thing I wrote down at the very beginning of the event is building a business is a process, not an event. It's not an event. And people that have too much of an employee mentality or want it to happen right now, that's an event. Like getting paid, that's an event. Well, you're not, you're not here to just get paid. You're here to build a business. So building a business is a process, not an event. And I wrote my notes here good perspective for people that are impatient or haven't seen success yet. You've got to understand that. Second thing, tentativity is the mother of failure, right? Tentativity, like being tentative, hesitant, like, well, let me just wait to see how my friend over here does. Or let, me, let me just, you know, and you're, and you're tentative. Well, let me, let me start making some money, then I'll become more confident. Let me start making some money, then I'll go to the big event. I'll be more coachable when I have the income that Christopher or Mark or Nikki has. Well, that's all tentativity. Tentativity is the mother of failure, Another thing, this is kind of a lower law thing, and I thought this was really, really interesting. We always hear this idea of SMD factory, right? You get in the business format system book, and, oh, you run an SMD factory. You should be running an SMD factory. I've heard this for 20 years incessantly. One of the things that really stood out to me was, was how an SMD factory is defined. One of the things that you have to have if you're going to run an SMD factory, how it's defined is, and for me this was a challenge, because we run about a, a – uh, 600, half a million to 600,000 point per year base shot. Now, our super base is over a million. It was really cool because they had some leaders bulletins there for the, the guys that were, that, were, that were at this event, and we're like, we're competing. We're not at the top, but, man, we're competing, which was really, really cool to see because, you know, we've only seen one side. But he said an SMB factory requires a million point base shot. So I went, okay, there we go. So instead of just hearing like SMB factory, well, what the hell does that mean? S&D factory two a year, one a year, is it 10 a year? Well, you'll be, you'll be at the S&D factory status if you're running a million point base shop. So if you're not running a million point base shop, there's no way you're going to have an S&D factory. Okay, so that was something I took away that might be valuable for some of you guys. Um, uh, Christopher just talked, and Cube just both talked about uh, affirmations. Uh, an affirmation uh, that, that was talked about there, and I think this is Eric Olson, he says, he said, I'm better today than I was yesterday, but I'll be better tomorrow than I was today. What if you just said every single day, man, I'm better today than I was yesterday, I'm going to be better tomorrow than I was today. 
and it just it just re reminds you of, of this business is about Kenai Robert uh, or uh, Tony Robbins talks about Kenai constant never ending improvement. The least important part of my life is my past. You know, we hang on to our past. We hang on to things that we said we were going to do, or oh, you know. Like we set big goals and dreams. I do this to myself. The reason this means so much to me is that I've been plagued by this where like, okay, I'm going really, to do it now, right? I'm going to do it. I make big plans and then what starts to come up in your mind is all the times in the past that you said that before and it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden you go, well, okay, then you start selling yourself on, well, okay, well, I, I remember feeling this excited before. I remember saying that before and I didn't do it before. So what's really going to be different now? Well, if you believe that the least important part of your life is your past, then that might help you. There's no strength. We all want more strength. Like how do you become, you know, Christopher's talking about mental toughness. How do you become more mentally tough? You could look at that as strength. And, and Eric Olson said there's no strength without struggle. So when you're struggling with things, when you're pushing through fear, and you go, man, this is a struggle for me, that's going to build your strength. There's no strength unless you're pushing up weights, like in a weightlifting analogy. There's no strength that you're going to achieve if you're lifting little three-pound dumbbells. It's like there's no struggle there, but there also won't be any strength. So no strength without struggle. Um, if you hold on to little things, so I want you guys to think of something that you, you would define as a little thing. It could be like, oh, Christopher said something that hurt my feelings, uh, or uh, the client said they would do it, but that they haven't done it. The, uh, the, my new recruit said he was going to show up, but then he, he signed and died. I mean, whatever, like, what are the little things that you're holding on to? You said here, if you hold on to little things, you continue to get little things. What am I willing to give up to get? So in other words, you know, I'm always going to keep getting little things if I'm focused on little things, if I'm holding on to little things. Be, be more quick to define those things that we probably all make mountains out of molehills about. They're probably little things, right? And you're going to keep getting little things if you focus on little things, okay? Um, oh, this is one of my favorites. This is Greg Cap. Some of you don't know Greg Cap. I know him personally. And literally, I, in 20 years, I've got a personal friendship relationship with Greg. I have never heard him speak for as long as I heard him speak at this event like literally hours between several events. At the main, one of the main events, he had over an hour. The, uh, I mean, just SMD meeting, he had 45 minutes to an hour. So it was like hours of great cap, which is like just a wave of, uh, of inspiration, a wave of just all the right stuff. But, you know, and I've been guilty of this. That's why I wrote it in my notes because I want to work on it. We speak out our adversity. It's like, damn it, you know, why, why do clients always have to do X, Y, Z? Why, do my, why won't my team do such and such? I'm really frustrated when, when people don't call me back, and you're speaking out all your adversity. And what, one of the things he says, when you speak out your adversity, you're letting the adversary know what gets to you. What if you, what if you prayed instead? What if you... What if you prayed and said, said you know, Lord, this is, really, this is really bothering me, but I know through your power, through your strength, through the reason you've called me here, I know you can help me with this. Instead of just complaining about your adversity, you're letting the adversary know what gets to you. And guess what? He loves to get to you, right? All right. Um, your identity, right? We always talk about you'll never – there are two things about identity that I want to share. You'll never out-earn your identity, uh, your identity is how you see yourself. But identity, and I've never heard it defined this way, your identity is what you feel you deserve. It's not just how you see yourself. It is. 
but I love the way this was defined as identity is what you feel you deserve. What if you could work on feeling you deserve more? Do you think that would help your identity? Because if, if, if you believe that you'll never out earn your identity, then you've got to work on increasing your identity. Okay? Uh, put in the work so you truly feel that you deserve it. Put in the work. Like when you do the work, like when you're going, God, everything, left everything on the field today. Man, I'm exhausted. When you win, right, when you ultimately win, you feel like, hey, I, d- I deserve to win. Or maybe even if you're not winning yet, but you are putting in the work, then you, then you feel like you deserve it. You didn't get lucky. Like great, another thing Greg Cap said, he said, stop saying people get lucky or I just got lucky or that person got lucky. Luck takes, takes God out of the picture. Right? Luck, luck takes God out of the picture. So what are you doing to truly feel like you deserve to win? Are you really putting in the work? Uh, the word win, W-I-N, whatever is necessary. Of course, you guys know where that came from. That, that's, uh, that's like the epitome of, of, a, of an Eric Olsenism right there, right? Win, whatever is necessary. If you want to win. I love what Q said. And by the way, everybody wants the glory, but they don't want to go story. I didn't have that in my notes. Now I do. But it's really the same thing. It's like you know, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Everybody goes, oh, I want to be on stage. You know, I, I've been with WFG for X amount of uh, years or months, or I've got all my licenses. All that crap doesn't matter. What are, winning is doing whatever is necessary, obviously within, you know, uh, within the boundaries of, of integrity and all that good stuff. But whatever is necessary, stay out late, get up early, make more calls, do things you don't want to do, get out of your comfort zone. Winning is whatever is necessary. Oh, I love this one. Some of us have gotten so good at closing, right? Some of you go, man, I can close a recruit. I can close business. Some of us have gotten so good at closing, we've gotten good at closing ourselves on our own bullshit. And I didn't say BS, I said bullshit, because I want that to be stronger. Some of us have gotten so good at closing, we've gotten good at closing ourselves on our own stupid excuses and bullshit stories, right? Right, so... What have you gotten good at closing that's not serving you? Bring your E game, right? We always talk people, you always hear people say, hey, bring your A game. Bring your E game. Emotion, excitement, enthusiasm. These things are attractive to others. Are you too logical in, what, in, in your communication with people? Are you too logical? Right? People make emotional decisions and back them up with logic, right? Are you, are you tapping into people's emotions more? Right? And one of the things Q talked about, you can't microwave success, you've got to take the stairs. Right? I, that was in my notes. You know, people want microwave success, so you've got to take the stairs, uh, which means you know, taking, taking the longer road. It, it, you can't microwave success. Uh, let's see. You either win or you learn. You never lose. You either win or you learn, as long as you don't quit, of course. So you're either winning or you're learning. And... Uh, if you, don't, if you don't quit, you'll never lose here. You'll never lose here. Our, our minds are magnetized by the dominating thoughts that we hold in them. They attract us like magnets, the people, the circumstances we need to fulfill these dominating thoughts. So what are your dominating thoughts? Hey, I'll admit something to you guys. Uh, a lot of times my dominating thoughts, especially in the past, I mean, obviously I've worked on myself over the years, but in the past my dominating thoughts were, we're fear-based. We're, what if this doesn't work? What if I sign a lease and everybody leaves? What, you know, like we tell ourselves those stories. You know, one of the t- gals on our team is a teacher, a math teacher, and, and mostly I'm not really good at math, but 
most people know what equations are. Equations are if you do what, something on one side of the problem, you have to do the same thing on the other side of the problem, right, to make it equate or to, e to, be, to be equal. So if you're going to think, like I did, the dominating thought is, what if it doesn't work? What if what my uncle Ding Dong Joe, Bob, whatever the uncle is, says, says is not going to work? And what if that comes true? What if that comes true? And we fill our minds with that. What are you magnetizing yourself with that, with that thought? And if you are going to hold that thought, like, like your math teacher told you, well, you've got to do the, the same thing on the other side, meaning you've got to, you've got to equal out that, that, that problem. Well, what's the equal out? What if it does work? Well, crap, what if Uncle Bob is wrong? What if he's wrong? What if this does work? What if everybody I see winning here is actually true? What if I could leave my job? What if I could make it? What if we could be free like I see all these guys free? What if we could save 2000 bucks a week? What if we could, what if we could, so if it's what if we can't, you've got you've to equal it out with what if we could. Um, there were so many practical things they shared. I, I feel like I, feel like I want to I try to stay higher law than go lower law, even though there were some good practical things they shared. Um, oh, one of the things that was said too, and I thought this was really good, is one, one of the reasons that people are better at selling than recruiting is that selling is more logical. This is why people, when they join our company, they go, oh, the products, oh, I love the floor, and talking about like, how you can earn 15% with no loss. Like, it's very logical. It's like, that makes sense. But recruiting is emotional. It's a transference of emotional energy. Transference of emotional energy is what recruiting is. That's why you've got to bring your e-game. Stop trying to recruit people to, well, look at this product. Look at what we do for families. I mean, if you're going to talk about what we do for families, you can show that. It's got to be more on the emotional side than the logical side. So I thought that, to me, that really stuck out. Um, nobody says no to help, right? And I always say this in our training. If everybody you walked up to said yes to you, game over, right? If I said, hey, I guarantee you, say this set of words, and everybody will say yes to you. Say this, and they'll say yes. Like, I would just teach you that one line, and we would have no training. Some of you would love that, right? Oh, cool. I don't have to come to training. Yeah. You wouldn't have to come to training because all you say is this and everybody says yes to you. Well, obviously, uh, that's not the case. People say no, but nobody says no to help. If you're not closing, both on the recruiting or the product side, you're thinking too much about getting something from them versus truly helping them. So if you are sitting here today and go, yeah, I'm not that good at closing, I want you to, to maybe journal like Christopher talked about and goes, okay, am I thinking too much about getting something from them? Or am, I thinking too, or am I thinking enough about helping them? And I'll bet you'll discover I'm not thinking enough about helping them. I'm trying to get something from them. Um, let's see. There's a few other things I want to show. I know we're just a touch over on time, but I'll make it worth it if you guys hang in there with me. Uh, let's see. I want you to doubt your doubts before you doubt your dreams. Everybody doubts their dreams because, because in most, most things in our lives that we experience – meaning our job or our success or lack thereof, is, is, is uh, programmed us to believe that nothing really good can happen. And, and we say to ourselves or we say jokingly, like, ah, nothing ever good happens to me. I'm not even going to enter the raffle. Or I'm not going to enter the game. or I'm not going to even try because eh, nothing ever good happens to me anyway. Right? Um, and we doubt. And we doubt that something good could happen to us. How, what if you said, you know what? I'm going to doubt my doubts. Why would I why not doubt my doubts more than I doubt my dreams, right? Uh, so I think that, for me, that was, uh, that was something that, that really stood out. 
me see. There was one other thing. Oh, I love this. Uh, I love this perspective. And, and all of us have either heard this from a recruit or we've said it to ourselves, uh, people that have quit in the past. So maybe this will help you even uh, with people maybe that have quit your business in the past. So Eric Olson said this, why would you give WFG only X amount of years or X amount of months? And I've, I've heard people say, like, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a good three months. I'm going to see what happens. If it's not making money, then, right? It, it could be three years. It could be a year. It could be any amount of time. So here's the question. Why would you give WFG only three years or five years or one year, but give your job 30 years when it will never make you wealthy? People don't say that about their job. They, go, you know, they, they hang around there. Why would you give your job 30 years and only give WFG a year when it never has the chance to make you wealthy? But we look around and we look at people like Christopher, Dan, you know, Eric Olson, all these people, people that are from all these different walks and backgrounds that have made it, the very fact that they've made it lends hope that, that we can make it. When is, when is the last time I gave something everything that I, that I have? And that is a question for you to write down. When was the last time that you gave something everything that you have? Oh, here's another good one. I know these are like, kind of like a bunch of – I feel like a comedian giving a bunch of one-liners, but, but these are really good. Every winner – listen to this. Write this one down. If you've not taken any notes, write this one down. And the one I said about the adversary, speaking out your adversity, I think those are two huge ones. Every winner – right? Every, we want to be a winner – Right? Whatever you define as winning, it could be making your first thousand bucks. Every winner is a loser who got tired of losing. So in other words, every winner went through the same crap that you went through, but they just got tired of being a loser. They finally said, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to finally do this thing. I'm going to finally commit. I'm going to finally take a chance. I'm going to finally get out of my comfort zone. All right, I once was a loser, but now I'm a winner. Everybody starts off that way. Ed Milet talks about it. He wanted to quit a million times. Most, most people think, they go, oh, Ed Milet, Christopher Schleyman, yeah, even me, like, oh, those guys will look at them. No wonder they're winning. You never saw the, the beginning. You never saw the beginning and realized that we were once losers, meaning I didn't always win, Christopher didn't always win, but we just got tired of losing. So winners are losers who get tired of losing. That really stuck out to me. Um, Okay, there's a string of, of, of good things here. I already know what giving up feels like. I want to see what it feels like not to give up. So many of you have given up on things. Like you start something, you, like your wife might complain, your spouse might complain, ah, oh, yeah, you start these projects. Like we have two bathrooms that are half remodeled, right? And they never finished it, right? You started WFG, you were going to do it, right? And, and you gave up. You gave up on people give up on their marriages, Right? And, I, and, you know, and I, just to give you perspective, like we get frustrated when people quit. It's like, why would they quit on WFG? Here's, here's a great perspective. If somebody can invite 150 of their closest friends, relatives, and people that are closest to them and say in front of all these people who they, by the way, have paid for to be there and say to them the most important thing they can say in their life, which is their vows to their spouse, and then later change their mind and somehow you're like, mystified as to how somebody can start WFG and quit it. Like, this is the human, just, this is the human condition. It's okay. It's okay. Just don't let that be you. So, right, I already know what, it, what giving up feels like. I want to see what it feels like to not give up. Have some of you, do some of you know what it feels like to not give up? Because some of you have been plagued by divorce. I'm not going to go into whose fault that was. All that doesn't matter. But we've all had things in our life where we go, well, I quit that. That didn't work out. Yeah, that's why that didn't work out. 
And we tell ourselves, again, we got so good at closing, we saw ourselves in all these BS stories, right? But what does it feel like to not give up? That'd be a good thing to experience, right? You are here because someone made an uncomfortable decision to call you and prospect you. That's why you're here. Remember that, right? Remember that. All right, I'll share one last thing. God, I've got so many things I, things I could share. Um, but one, one couple last things here uh, is this. If WFG has worked for somebody, right, and we go, wow, you know, it works for Eric Golson. It's worked for, you know, this other person. It's worked for Christopher. It's worked for Mark. If WFG has worked for somebody, then it can work for anybody. The key for everyone is to not quit. That's the key. So if it's worked for some, now if there was no examples of success, if there were no examples of anybody winning and you still believed, boy, that's, that's the very evidence of faith. That's the strongest faith, right? Having no evidence but still believing. This doesn't require faith. Give me a break. This does not require faith, this business. Right? Now, it might, it, it might where you're at, but, but really faith is believing in something that you can't see. You look around, you go, yeah, this guy making 100 grand, this guy making a buck 50, this guy making 3 million, this guy making 350, this guy making a half a million, this guy, right? Uh, so if it can work for somebody, it can work for anybody. So last thing I'll share is uh, this uh, guy named Daniel Fombo. Daniel Fombo and his wife, Linda, Linda Fombo, F-O-M-B-O. They are uh, been with the company for two years. They're SMDs. They were invited to all the EMD meetings. I actually have his numbers right here. No, wait, let's see, where are they? Adam, in my notes, where'd they go? So Daniel Fombo, oh, here we go. Um, he has been with WFG for two years, full-time since August, no, 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 the fall of 2018, right? So what are we, we're in, we're in July, so seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. He's in full-time less than a year. They are over uh, 600,000 in income. They're over 600,000 in income. So, so again, uh, anybody, when I said that last thing I said, if WFG can work for anybody, if for somebody can work for anybody, you go, yeah, of course it's working for Eric Olson and Greg Cap and Jeff Levitan and Fredo Barber and all these people you referenced. But look, you got guys like Daniel Fombo, who none of you have heard of, probably, by the way, right? Um, he, he, he was at the top of almost every list here. His personal points in 2018 were 243185 so far in 2019, 471,627 personal. Um, 2018, base shop recruits, 88. 2019 so far, 310. Base shop points, Daniel Fombo, right? Been full-time for less than a year, WFG two years. Base shop points, 438,000 in 2018-2019, Right? So going back to what Eric Olson said, to run an S&D factory, you've got to have a base shop, not super base, but a base shop over a million. Right? Um, super base, oh, it's, even his super base recruits, he doesn't have a super base. <laughs> Look at this. So his base shop points, his base shop points were 1,093,000. His super base points, 1,093,000. He, he, uh, he was just unbelievable. So, so again, guys, I want you to take that. If this can work for somebody it can work for anybody, including you. The key is just don't quit. So I wish I had a little more time, Christopher, but I'll, I'll end there because I know we're 15 minutes past. So. We're Gucci, brother. That was outstanding stuff. We're definitely going to get this call posted. I really appreciate you and Q. It's, um, it's crazy. To, like, I appreciate your transparency, too. Like I'm saying, hey, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to miss out on this stuff with the family 4th of July. 
I didn't want to spend the money. The only reason I really wanted Q to go with me was so I could split the hotel room bill. Like, I appreciate your transparency <laughs> and all that stuff. <laughs> I didn't quite say that, but that actually is true. <laughs> no, that's not yeah. Jesus. I'm Jesus. <laughs> you didn't have to say it. Those of us that know you know the motivation. <laughs> Excuse uh, <laughs> my boy, man. I wanted to hang out with my boy. We had some, we had some good times there. It was, it was a blast. It was yeah. a blast. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that it, I'm sure that it was. But no, honestly, I mean the transparency. In I mean that's that's what I was talking about earlier. The mental toughness is there's that voice, that part of you that's like, yeah, I can just do this, or I can just do that, or I'll do it the next time, or. I already do so much, or do I really have to? Is that really necessary? And when you've got, when you when you're you've developed your mental toughness, the bigger voice, the voice that is really congruent with your goals, the voice that really knows your purpose and is seeking your purpose, gets louder and begins to drown out the doubts, the fears, the worries, the anxiety, the inconvenience, the limiting beliefs. And it doesn't make them go away, but it begins to drown them out. And then when we follow through, we're so glad that we did, and it reinforces that stronger voice and that mental toughness. So great call, unbelievable stuff. I got so much out of today's call. I appreciate both of you stepping up. And hopefully you guys will be posting tomorrow's general training. I know a bunch of you guys' general trainings have been posted. Hopefully somebody will broadcast it or videotape it as well and post that for all of our benefits. Appreciate you guys. The month is 40% over. you got 60% of your time left to go out and crush it. Every month counts. There's a leader's bulletin with your name on it, whether you look at it regularly or not. Your name is somewhere on a leader's bulletin with your performance and your results next to it at the end of each and every month, just like whether your kids look at their report card or not. There's a report card generated every quarter and every semester with your kid's name on it. You pay attention to that. Why? Because you know performance matters. Yes, you have to work hard, you have to sacrifice, and it matters to you how much effort your kids give, but it also matters to you the results that they're getting. Make it matter for yourself, not just for your kids. Live your own life. Don't just live vicariously through them. It's up to you to win. Your, your actions speak so loud, they, your kids literally don't hear a word that you're saying. Make your actions not only speak loud, but speak boldly, speak courage, and speak inspiration into their young lives. Appreciate you guys. Let's crush it in July. Take care.